Welcome to the Apex Life podcast from Apex Life Media. That's a capital A, a capital P, a lowercase e, and a capital X. And that stands for Ancient Philosophical Christianity. I contend that the goal of life in ancient philosophical Christianity is to reach the apex of what it means to be a human, the best human a person can be. My name is Tim Side. I'm an independent scholar and the author and publisher of the book Rewriting Paul, original translations of 1 Thessalonians, Galatians, Philippians, Philemon, and Romans. A long list to say, not First and Second Corinthians. My PhD is from Brown University, and I've worked in higher education administration for 17 years, and during most of those years taught several courses a year in New Testament studies. My spouse and I currently live in Indiana, where we raised five daughters, and we have five grandchildren, with one on the way. This first podcast is meant to begin to introduce you to me. It's a bit of a memoir about why I think the way I do. In order to be able to talk about uh, why one thinks uh, the way one does about a topic is to admit that while we try to be objective, that we all have our our own uh, biases, uh, our own experiences that uh, cause us to have particular presuppositions. Even though in the academy one is taught to try to be objective as a researcher, and I've I've spent many years uh, trying to do that, to learn to study history, to, to read Hebrew and Greek texts, um, to analyze arguments, to try to formulate arguments uh, that are based on uh, good reasons. Often, the way in which you uh, object to someone's argument is to show that in some way how they are biased in their view. I want to just begin with admitting that I have uh, my own preferences, and one has to start, I think, with some presuppositions about the world and how we understand it, and to admit that uh, there are maybe not really good reasons why we uh, have gone a certain way rather than another. I like to think of it in this way. I I used to tell my students in classes on New Testament that I could predict an author, a scholar's approach if I knew what their graduate school program was. So it's just the case that if uh, somebody graduated from a university program related to the study of New Testament, early Christianity, if their department had... Uh, had a Judaic studies kind of a department with it that they would have spent time studying apocalyptic texts, Dead Sea Scrolls, rabbinic literature, learning Aramaic, and of course the Hebrew Bible, learning about Jewish customs, if they had that kind of ancient Near Eastern studies department as part of the religious studies department. But on the other hand, if, if it was a school that had a close connection to uh, to a classical studies program, and they study such things as Greco-Roman religions, Hellenistic philosophy, classical rhetoric, the Hellenization of Palestine, then, then you know that the, the kinds of books that they're going to write will be from, from that perspective. And, and uh, you can go the other way. 
if somebody was writing books about the New Testament and they spent a lot of time talking about uh, philosophy and rhetoric, Greco-Roman religions, chances are their program was closely related to classical studies and the same thing if somebody is trying to show the the Jewish influence or influence of uh, rabbinic literature in the New Testament, then that was probably what their program was. So a case in point is uh, E.P. Sanders. He wrote uh, a very important book called Paul and Palestinian Judaism and uh, was known for sort of being a watershed and helping uh, people to understand Second Temple Judaism as it relates to Paul in this case and in his works related to Jesus. But in, uh, in remarks that he made at a conference uh, celebrating his uh, years of research, and those uh, presentations people made were later collected in articles for a fest shift for him, Sanders makes clear that his work on Paul within Palestinian Judaism does not preclude his recognition of the validity of research on Paul within the Greco-Roman world. He says that his own education, his teaching positions, and the support for his publications happen to be in the area of Second Temple Judaism. But he doesn't mean he believes that this is the only way to view Paul. So what is uh, particularly interesting um, in, in his book, Paul and Palestinian Judaism, and I would always delight in showing students this, that if you look in the index to that book under truth, comma, ultimate, you'll find that the page numbers that are listed there are reference to blank pages that appear before chapters. So I haven't heard what, if he did that on purpose or if somebody else just uh, put that in there, but, um, but I think I could say it of myself. In, in my book, Rewriting Paul, I'm trying to to show the best research that I've been able to do. But in some cases, it, I, I call it an experiment. Could I write from this point of view that I take and present a consistent, coherent view? And I think I've done that. I've, I've come up with some strange uh, conclusions and uh, interpretations, some that I've never heard of before, and I'm prepared for people to sort of call me out on it and... Uh, but I'm, I'm quite pleased with how I was able to argue for it. I didn't make it up out of thin air. I give my reasons for it. So um, I thought in this sort of memoir to start and being able to tell people who I am, uh, to sort of start at the beginning, that uh, I started out life as a preacher's kid. My earliest memories were living in Aurora, Illinois, and then most of my childhood in Noble, Illinois. My father was a pastor of uh, Baptist churches, graduated. My father and mother graduated from Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. Um, my my childhood was uh, probably like most uh, little boys, um, riding my little bike around country roads and playing with uh, animals in the farm next to us and enjoying that kind of like life in the country. I wrote down in my notes uh, that I was mostly a nasty and lazy little boy. I don't know if that I should be admitting such a thing, but uh, I have a feeling that a lot of little boys uh, were like that. But I say that to oppose that, to counter that with the fact that as a boy, I had these moments of spiritual awakening. 
remember asking my my mother about how one um, becomes saved. I'd heard that kind of language, and she used a, a Christian tract called the Romans Road, told me along the steps, and I think I prayed a, a prayer with her. And there it's interesting that for me to have spent the last few months uh, translating the book of Romans, determining that it was a much different road than what I was taught. I remember uh, in church when a missionary to Africa was uh, speaking and showing us all of the things he'd brought back from, from Africa. And at the end of the week, he asked, uh, you know, with uh, heads bowed and eyes closed, if anyone feeling a call to the mission field to Africa to raise their hand. And I raised my hand. And uh, I thought it was a, a serious thing, but uh, at, the, at the parsonage uh, after the service, um, there was a missionary who was a close friend with my father. I even had something to do with my father's own uh, conversion as a young man living in Detroit. And a man, by the way, that I, I came to work with uh, in Grand Rapids, Michigan, as an intern uh, at, a, as, at a hospital where, where he was a chaplain. But they, they laughed at me for, for raising my hand, which was quite confusing to a young boy. I can remember going to a Bible camp and uh, being resistant at first. And another example of, uh, of being a naughty young boy, uh, for the sake of the other young men there, there was a cute uh, girl who was a counselor, and she asked us if we had any questions. And I knew enough about the Bible to ask her what it meant when Jesus says to Paul that it's hard for him to kick against the pricks. And of course, all the boys were just kind of snickering. I don't know if she even knew why I was asking that. She tried to answer the question. But by the end of the week or two weeks uh, at the ending bonfire, I remember putting my stick in the fire to, to give myself to God. My junior high years were mainly uh, in St. Anne, Illinois. Uh, we moved from there before uh, high school to New Era, Michigan, and spent my teen years there. It was there that uh, I met the young girl who became my wife, and, uh, and we've been married 40 years now. As a teenager, I liked playing basketball. I rode my 10-speed around. Wasn't a particularly good student. I played around at school most of the time. Uh, I don't know how they passed me through classes like algebra and geometry. It wasn't until my junior year in high school that I actually discovered I was better at language and literature. And uh, in being put into different levels, five different levels, I was put into level four and began learning about creative writing and uh, giving speeches and so on. But by this time, I I'd become much more committed in my life to being a, being a Christian through those uh, through that time I can remember sort of on Sundays particularly there's communion and you decide oh I need to I need to live right and say sorry for all the, the bad things but by the end of the week I I will have I would have lost uh, that whatever feeling commitment and so on and feel like I failed it during the last years of high school, I became interested in my father's books in his library, in his study at home, uh, and um, I was particularly fascinated with 
with uh, the interlinear Bible that he had, where you can see the Greek text there, and then sort of a word for word next to it, below it, of its of its meaning. And I was fascinated by that, and it helped me so much uh, to understand that. And my dad was one who would uh, preach sermons in which he would refer to to the Greek language and what a word meant in Greek, even though he was uh, not a didn't I don't know if he went to high school I I don't remember he didn't talk much about that, uh, but he did the best he could through the Bible Institute and then teaching himself. I thought he that he became to be a, a very good preacher, and I enjoyed listening to his sermons and wanted to be like him. By the end of the senior year in high school, I decided to become a minister and I enrolled in the Bible Institute. My father wasn't particularly happy that I, I didn't want to go to Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, but the closer Grand Rapids School of the Bible and Music. So as a, as a young adult then, uh, going to a school would be referred to as Grisboom, I worked hard in classes. I had a lot to make up for. Even though I had, had done well in creative writing and so on, I, I really didn't have a firm grasp on English grammar. So I took a course in English grammar before beginning to take a course in introductory uh, New Testament Greek. My, my wife, uh, Sue Ann, at the time, uh, joined me for the second and third years at the Institute and um, and then planned to, to be married when we graduated in 1979. But by the time of graduation, I decided that I wanted to, to have more of an education and decided to, to go to college. So there was a college in Indiana, Grace College, that would accept transfer of credits. Uh, so I, I would just need two years of college then uh, to be able to graduate with a bachelor's degree. So when I... Um, went there. I think I intended to, to graduate and then go on to their, their seminary and to, to become uh, a pastor. This was a, a school of the Grace Brethren movement, one that was referred to as being dispensational, which was something that I, I grew up with. You can check out that word online to find more about what it means also one that was strongly uh, had strong views about creationism so these were all the things that I was learning and took um, astronomy class uh, from a man who who uh, was author of books on scientific creationism but it, um, it was an interesting moment in in my life and interesting how it, it sort of came to be why I chose the path I did so um, I, I was interested after studying Greek for a couple of years. I, wanted, I was really excited to study Hebrew. Uh, it was uh, one of those moments where suddenly those combination of letters begin to take on meaning and uh, you begin to be able to pronounce it. And I remember the class time further along than, than, uh, than my fellow students trying to get the chith sound. I probably didn't do it well there because my mouth is dry. But I remember the guys around me. Um, I can't remember if any girls took Hebrew. I think at some point we had a sub-teacher 
uh, who was a, a young woman in the seminary who, who taught us. It's neither here nor there, but it was the guys around who kept trying to get me before this particular class. And I remember the, remember the moment that I began to say chayth, and uh, to their to their cheers and my great pleasure. So I enjoyed studying Hebrew. I took a course in ancient Near Eastern studies, and uh, a lot of the guys were interested in in this kind of study. And after that class, some of them were going to do independent studies. Uh, and so I uh, said to the teacher that I wanted to do an independent study on the Assyrians. And I think I probably submitted something, request, and uh, he talked to me after a class and told me that he didn't think I had done very well in the class and that uh, he wasn't going to accept my request for an independent study. I was quite uh, embarrassed and uh, and I thought the, the teacher uh, was pretty high on himself uh, for no particular reason. And, um, and I... I kind of, I think I chose that day that I wasn't going to continue to, to try to pursue being, becoming an Old Testament scholar and decided to focus on New Testament. Uh, I kept studying Hebrew. I, during the mid-year break, I started translating the book of Jonah. The teacher was very pleased that I had taken that initiative and, and after after the year of uh, Hebrew, I began translating my way through the book of Genesis. And it was through that study of uh, reading the Hebrew of Genesis that that really began to change the way I understand the writing of the biblical texts. So like I said, I had been indoctrinated in the scientific uh, creationism. That was my view. Uh, For instance, my father, looking at the Grand Canyon, would uh, marvel at what the effect of uh, Noah's flood on the landscape, and this was the frame of of mind to have this kind of literal uh, reading, the book of Genesis, uh, to to look at the very at the the grammar of the ancient language, and to be able to detect uh, a gap between verse one and verse two of the first chapter of Genesis to allow for time and. And this this sort of thing, that close reading, in order to substantiate uh, this literal sort of reading of that this is how the world began, how God created it. But as I as I began reading it, more and more I got the feeling of uh, this is how an ancient person would describe the world, uh, explaining why things are the way they are uh, with within culture, and begin to see the first chapter is so very poetic rather than just trying to, to say what happened and coming to see the this kind of uh, documentary hypothesis that first chapter talks about uh, God as Elohim, but in the second chapter where creation uh, is uh, told about again, it's now the Lord God where this uh, Yahwist editor, author uh, came to be. And an editor combining these different uh, traditions into one. So while I continued to um, finish out my program at uh, Grace College, I became more and more interested in intertestamental Judaism, as it was called then, uh, Hellenistic Greek literature, extra-biblical literature, and uh, began dreaming about uh, going on to a graduate program in classical studies. 
all of that was sort of uh, diverted into getting a job and we having uh, our our first uh, daughter um, soon after graduation, as I recall. Yeah, she was born in June, so it would have been probably after graduation, then, I think. Following that uh, time, it was just this uh, period uh, for the next uh, I don't know, 10 years or more of... Uh, of trying to decide what what am I? Am I uh, a pastor? Am I a professor? I kept going back and forth uh, between these and uh, and trying to understand my my Christianity, the feeling of uh, needing to be intellectually honest about uh, my my Christianity. And there was a began to be a period where. I began thinking about uh, the the do's and don'ts of the Christian life and why is it that uh, these are the things we're supposed to do and these are the things we're not supposed to do. I can recall, for instance, um, that I, as a young boy, teenage, young teenage boy, that I'd been watching British television and uh, I thought, uh, I, I couldn't say swear words, but I thought, well, here's a word that seems pretty powerful and so I was in the kitchen my mother maybe washing dishes and and I said something about some bloody thing she slapped in my face so hard I was stunned and uh, I never said that word again but I did not know why why that was a powerful world and why that wasn't supposed to be said that there were these moral absolutes that were just wrong. But I began realizing that, that these things are uh, culturally encoded, that uh, they're part of our history within Victorian England and uh, Puritan colonial America, that uh, these have become ways in which we express being a good person. As a as this uh, becoming sort of liberal intellectual that I was feeling at the time, I began trying to smoke a pipe, and I would get I would get feel guilty about it. And one time, I flushed the tobacco down the toilet and threw the pipe into the garbage bin down the street, and uh, went home. And then I thought, well, that's ridiculous. And so I did a little dumpster diving and got it back and determined that if I if there was no reason why I could say that it's wrong, that I was determined to get my conscience to understand that it shouldn't be flaring up and making me feel bad. But a lot of that uh, has never, it never sort of leaves a person after that. After, after a year um, and uh, struggle with trying to attend uh, a Bible church uh, in which um, at first, they uh, didn't like the fact that I had a beard and wouldn't let me be uh, a youth pastor in the church, so I shaved my beard. And then they told me that uh, because I had become a member of the church, they don't pay members uh, to do things. So I um, I grew my beard back and, and haven't shaved it since. I went on to Wheaton College Graduate School. That may not seem to some to be a radical thing to do, but I grew up uh, with Wheaton representing neo-evangelicalism, which was a, a bad thing uh, to do back in those days. I did the most I could to try to get chances to study classical Greek and Latin, but that didn't ever work. I tried to study more in German and didn't really have the time uh, to be able uh, to do that. One of the teachers uh, 
his main work was in this Jewish approach to early Christianity, the literature of uh, Second Temple Judaism. The approach that was taken was one that they referred to as a sort of Protestant uh, evangelical Germany, was the Heilsgeschichte, the, the salvation history approach to the study of New Testament. Uh, was taught that uh, the really bad thing was that these uh, German scholars who belonged to the history of religion school, the Religionsgeschichte Schule. So I had been interested in apocalyptic literature in college, and of course, being a dispensationalist, you would be interested in the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation. But as I began studying apocalyptic literature, I began again realizing that that uh, the book of Revelation belong to this larger uh, genre of literature coming out of this certain way of, of viewing the world and kind of a pessimistic uh, view about the current situation, but hopes that uh, God will triumph uh, in the end. So I began comparing the book of Revelation with the Jewish apocalyptic literature. My uh, professor at the time told me that his position was that you could understand the book of Revelation just with the Old Testament and without any need to see any other apocalyptic literature. And that just kind of a head-in-the-sand kind of view, in my estimation. So at this point, I think uh, I should, should stop. Uh, next time, I'll continue on with uh, how I left, uh, graduated then from Wheaton College in that transition to what uh, graduate school am I going to go to? What, uh, how does that uh, impact the future, my future of, of research and scholarship? So thank you for listening, and I uh, look forward to talking with you again. Check out uh, the website, apexlifemedia.net, and as part of that website is the home of these uh, podcasts. There's also a Facebook uh, page, a Facebook group uh, about Apex Life. And please uh, go into a place like Amazon and uh, find my book. You'll find links uh, to my book. Please buy that and find ways to be in contact with me and to discuss that with me, especially if you find it something that uh, is helpful to you. See you next time. Mm-hmm.